Amen. So we love kids here. You notice that. Um, our core values, we love God's word. We love to worship. And then we talk about relationships and people and individuals and families. Kids are way high on our list, way, way, way high on our list. And um, so um, I got submitted to me a um, one more memory verse by video this week. This goes quick. Pay attention. How's that? Okay. So I don't want to hear from any of you that you can't memorize scripture, okay? Um, my beautiful two-year-old granddaughter, Bella. So proud of her. So today um, being the 22nd. Oh, we're going to see it again? Man, I'd like that. <laughs> um, today's the 22nd, and here's the proverb of the day. Um, I chose verse 10. 10, drive out the scoffer and contention will go out. Yes, strife and abuse will cease. I feel prompted to pray about something, so sorry, but let's pray for just a minute. Lord, um, there is so much that goes on in our culture telling us how to think about things, how to believe about things, and what to, what to, what to stand for, what not to stand for. And Lord, I just pray that there would be something of the Spirit of God that would speak to our hearts, that we would find our cues about what to feel and what to believe from heaven, that there would be something, Lord, that would cause us to want to be led by our God. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, I want to also share with you, yesterday was a wonderful morning here on the campus. You brought in, one way or another, 137 Brand new, really cool coats. Um, and 139? Two more. Outstanding. So, okay, 139. So yesterday I was noticing that my favorite coat was this really cute little girl's coat. Wouldn't fit me. And um, it had little speckled black and white, and it came with a really cute scarf and a hat. It was just the coolest thing. And I watched um, a little tiny girl and her mother pick this off the rack. So here's what happened. Um, you know what we do is we give coats to children in our community um, by by partnership with the local school. So the local schools, uh, the counselor in the local school and a couple of interpreters, because many of the children who came yesterday do not speak English. And um, can you run these pictures while I'm talking? Um, and um, so this was from yesterday. And the deal was the counselors knew who was in need and they connected them with us and they came and we had these rounders full of coats. We didn't hand a coat to a child. We said, go pick one. And a child and a parent would go, and they would try them on and look at the colors. This one's cool. No, I don't like that one. And the one they wanted, they went home with. And we touched 139 children and their families. And I don't think we really understand the difference that we make for people's lives. And I want to say to you, well done. And um, we just love our community. And we love to Way to go, God. <laughs> Last picture's coming. Great one. This encapsulated right there. Look at the excitement. Wow, great day. A mirror and a new coat. Can't top that. So today we're um, continuing um, this series that we've been in, and it's about the family, and uh, we've been using kind of an analogy. It's a medical checkup, like, you know, go to the doctor, get poked and prodded, make sure things are healthy. And so um, our goal here isn't to get happy, it's to get healthy. And, and happiness will follow, we really believe. And t today, I, I'm in the second part of the, the topic of a crisis in the family. We're in pain. And, um, because there's no pain like family pain, right? I, I really, we talked about that last time. And in fact, I think a, a lot of people would hope and wish that they could be exempt from it, but you can't be. There are things that happen in families, 
And when it happens that family members hurt each other, the pain kind of sticks harder and deeper because we expect something different from family. And um, last week we spent time in Genesis 29 and 30, and we were talking about some of the causes of family pain. And the, um, the subject, um, the, our, our, our crash test dummies for this come from the Old Testament, and we've been studying Jacob and uh, his attempt to get a wife from a guy named Laban and all that went on there. And we talked about what preceded that. Now, Jacob um, came from a family where um, he had um, deceived his father with his mother's help to steal his brother's blessing. Messed up family, right? Okay, so he's going to get this blessing from dad by stealing it from his brother, by deceiving his father, and mom's in on it. And she's, you know, she sews the costume for him. He's got a goat outfit or whatever. And, and, um, so he goes through with this process, steals it, gets the blessing, deceives his father, brother finds out, brokenhearted, and his brother comforts himself with plans to kill Jacob. Is this a messed up family? You think you have family problems? Okay. This is a family that is really, really messed up. And uh, that was just scratching the surface. So this all happens, and his brother is thinking about killing him. His mother warns him, so he takes off. That's where we, where we were last week. And he takes off, and uh, he goes, goes looking for a wife. And he ends up um, finding um, some distant family members in a distant place, and he cracks this deal with a guy named Laban to marry his beautiful daughter, Rachel. He just has to work for Laban for seven years. Okay, you're with me so far? I'll take this one. And dad says, okay, seven years of labor. You can have her and get married. Isn't that how it's supposed to work? The guy comes, wants to marry your daughter. He works for you for seven years. That should be how it works, right? <laughs> Guys with lots of daughters are going, yeah, that sounds really good. <laughs> Let's change the system. It sounds really good. Anyway, so that was the deal. He worked seven years for, for um, Rachel, and we picked this up. I'm still reviewing from last week. We're in Genesis 29. We picked this up in verse 21. If you don't have your Bible, I provide one for you on the wall, but I encourage you to bring a Bible to church. It's good for you. If you got it on your phone, look it up. But check me out to make sure I'm reading what's God's word. I am. But you should not just assume that people who tell you things, that it's, okay, so, so anyway, then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife that I may go into her, because he's been waiting and he's ready now for his bride, for my time is completed. So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast. They're now having a big old wedding party. All day long, big old food blast. I don't know what they were doing, but it sounds like a lot of fun. In the evening, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. Okay, that's, that's polite talk for saying that night, Laban delivers his daughter Leah, not Rachel, who he was working for, and gives her, put, brings her to Jacob's tent, and they consummate the marriage. Now, let's just assume there's no light bulbs, and that they didn't discuss anything, and... I don't, maybe there was alcohol, who knows what's going on, but for some reason, um, he doesn't know he's not with the woman who he was betrothed to. Try picturing that. And I was thinking about this, okay? We read this story last week, but we didn't really talk about what was going on here in the perspectives of a couple other people. Rachel, who was all day long at her wedding reception. Ladies, if you're married, do you remember going to your wedding reception? You had an expectation that you, next day you'd wake up with a husband, Right? She's thinking all day long she's going to be married in the morning. She doesn't end up going to Jacob's tent that night. Dad says, Rachel, honey, you sit where you're going. I'm your father. You do what I say. And um, come on, Leah. Come on, sore eyes. Remember we talked about that? <laughs> Sad. Um, anyway, come on. 
And she's going, wow, I'm going to get to move to the front of the marriage line? Terrific. And it's okay with her. It's okay with Leah to deceive her future husband. Rachel is submitted to her conniving, dishonest father. This is a mess. You getting the picture here? This is not the way to start a marriage, okay? Anyway, so that was... This is a mess. So um, Leah, Leah, he brings, brings Leah, and in the morning, behold, it was Leah. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. I'm just thinking, we, you know. <laughs> Cock-a-doodle-doo, you know. <gasps> you know, one of these things. <laughs> and it's not Rachel. And Jacob says to Laban, what is it you have done to me? Where's my contract? What, you know, this is not, we, what, 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 you know, did I not serve you with you for Rachel? And here it comes. Why have you deceived me? Did I not serve you with, with, with you for Rachel? Why have you deceived me? Why have you, deception is one of the most destructive things in a family. It just is one of the most pain-inducing things. We, talk, we talked last time, we talked about five different kinds of deceptions. And if you, um, if you weren't here, you can get the message. It's on the website. It's free, or you can ask Lisa or somebody out there. They'll sign up, and they'll give you a CD, whatever. But, but um, we went through the five different kinds of family deception. Financial deception. We talked about infidelity, which can be emotional infidelity or sexual infidelity. We talked about deceiving parents which happens in families. We talked about not being accountable to each other in families, and we talked about um, not sharing our true feelings, not really being true and, and, and letting our family know. And so, okay, so, so first cause of family pain was deception. Second cause we talked about last week was jealousy. Verse uh, 26, Laban said, he's saying, why did you deceive me? He said, Laban says, it is not done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. You know, and he's going, well, hey, Laban, couldn't you have told me that when we made the deal seven years ago? I mean, come on. You know, and, 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 and what's the deal? You know, he says, complete the week, and that's seven years. Complete the, the seven years for now Leah, and we will give you the other one also in return for serving me another seven years. For some reason, that's a good deal to Jacob. So he says, okay. And he completed her week. Then Laban gave him his daughter, Rachel, to be his wife. So now he owes Laban seven years. He's gone in debt for another seven years of labor. And he has now two wives. <laughs> that's one over the limit. Okay, so, um, so Jacob went into Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah and served Laban for another seven years. Okay, this thing went from terrible to really worse. It's getting, so now he's got two wives, and um, this is absolutely not God's plan. God's plan is one man with one woman for a lifetime. We've spent time on that before. Um, and, and now these t- two sisters, their jealousy starts to accelerate, as you can guess. Leah's thinking all along, oh, my younger sister's going to get married before me. Then she gets slotted in that spot, and now they're both married to him. And, um, you know, so there's a competition for his affection. They start having this baby war. And uh, Rachel's not doing very well. She's not having any babies. And and Leah's producing babies. And so, um, here, take my servant, maiden, have a baby with her. Well, that that gets counted in my tally. And, okay, so not to be one-upped, now Leah does the same thing. So now there's four women trying to have babies with Jacob. (laughs) Oh, my. And it's like, okay, I mean... The, these were sisters. These were sisters who love each other, 
Sisters who go, hey, you're my sister. We're sisters forever. God help the man who comes between me and my sister, right? <laughs> Christmas movie plug. Okay, so, um, you know, it's like, okay, these, you know, these, these, this baby war is going on for his affection. And poor Leah, she kept saying over and over, and you can read this. Oh, I've had a baby now. Maybe now my husband will love me. Now I've had two babies. Maybe now my husband. Always hoping that having a baby would cause her husband to love her. And uh, this is the passage where all of the tribes of Israel get started out in in Genesis chapter 30. So these two sisters start becoming bitter towards each other, driven by this jealousy. And we talked last week about how parents unknowingly can generate jealousy between our kids. It's worth uh, getting that message if you, if, you have, if you have kids or you're ever going to have kids to talk about how not to do that as parents. We do it without knowing it and uh, creating that. And we talked about things you can do to deal with your own jealousy. So that's where we left off. Causes of family pain, number one would be deception in the family. Number two would be jealousy. Today we're going to pick up and we're going to talk first about the topic of control. Control. You know, I, I think most people have encountered some kind of problem with control. Either... Somebody else has tried to control you inappropriately, or you. <laughs> you're the problem. No, not me. You know, you're already arguing with me right now in your mind. I'm not the problem, Terry. Don't talk to me about control. You know? But a lot of us have problems with control, either you know, with one time or another, with, in one way or another. Amen? amen. Don't tell me to say amen. <laughs> So get back to the scripture. Okay, so here we are in Genesis 30, verse 25. As soon as Rachel had born Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, he's worked for him now for 14 years, send me away that I may go into my my own home and country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I've served you that I may go, for you know the service that I've given you. Seems pretty reasonable, okay? You know, I've served you 14 years. I'm ready to go do my own family thing. Let me go. And what should Laban have said at this point? Okay. Yeah, that's reasonable. You have your own families now. It's time. Blessings on you. Let her buck go get started. But um, that's not what Laban says. He starts this manipulative, you know, well, you know, but Laban said to him, and by the way, many translations, most translations say, they start this phrase, they say, please stay or stay, stay, or please stay. The ESV doesn't have it, but NIV, most of them have it. It's understood in the Hebrew. Why don't you just stay? Don't go. What's wrong with being here? He starts to be very, very controlling. Stay. He says, if I found favor in your sight. Now, here comes the guilt, okay? He's going to start laying it on, and that's what controlling people do. They, they, They guilt you into things like, you know, hey, don't you like me? Haven't I done enough things for you? It's like, remember... I helped you put tile on the fence in your backyard. Remember I helped you do that? It was an important project. You know, why don't you, why don't you want to be with me? We're not good enough for you now. You, you come here and you get rich and you get family. You, know, you get all this stuff going on and now you're going to leave us. And, you know, you know, but if I found favor in your eyes, can, can you remember anything I've done? You know, have you forgotten it all, Terry, already? It's like, come on. But if I found favor, is this, this is what he's implying and it's really controlling. If I found favor in your sight... I have, I've learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Now, he learned by divination. He's obviously not a very godly man. He's followed some occult practice in some fashion. He has learned that he's being blessed because of Jacob. 
translation. You know, I really couldn't care less about you. But if you leave, my blessings are going to stop. Man, Laban, how's that working on your selfish meter, man? I mean, come on. At the end of the day, he's saying, I, I, I just don't want you to go because of what I get because you're here and what I get from that. That's what controlling people are like. You know, you're just an actor in my play. You're an actor in the play about me. <laughs> you don't have a life of your own. You're just a participant in this play, you know. And um, that's the way they see life. That's the way a controlling person it sees life, you know. You know, of course, I raise you as my daughters. You know, what about Easter? What about Christmas? You need to be here. It's all about me. And it's just unhealthy. It's just unhealthy. And because Laban can't get them to respond, um, in verse 28, he pulls out all the stops here. He says, hey, name your wages. What do you want? What's your price? And I'll give it. What's your price? And that's another thing that controlling people do. They try to buy your gifts and your affections through gifts or through time. Watch out for that in your family. You know, giving people things as a way of controlling them and then, um, then pulling out the receipt and threatening to do something when they don't do what you want them to do. Watch out for that. You know, I paid this, I did this. Well, then give me back my TV. <laughs> you can have your TV, whatever it is. But controlling, that's what it is. It's, and it's just devastating to, to families. It's just, this is not drawing this family closer together, which is what Laban wants. But what he's doing is actually pulling it apart. You know, yes. It's a family, and we are a family unity, and the family's got to stick together, and we stick for each other. But every single person is an autonomous person, and they have a right to their own feelings and their own plans and their own life. And Laban's not getting that. And the text continues to go on, and there's this control scenario kind of bubbling up. Um, you know, and, and, and in verse 29, we're going to kind of skip forward a little bit, but you know, uh, Laban talks Jacob into staying some more, and um, so he doesn't lose control of his family, and and God continues to bless Jacob, but the blessings kind of dry up for Laban. It's kind of the scenario that goes on. And now Laban kind of gets a little bit ticked off. He's a little bit angry and bitter because, you know, the, the, the well seems to be going dry here. And so he kind of starts punishing and letting his dismay be known to his family. Verse, uh, Gen- Genesis 31, chapter 31, verse 2. And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as before. Jacob just wants to leave and start his family, and Laban is punishing him. You know, does, does that happen at your house? You know, when one person punishes another one by becoming maybe withdrawn, you know? You don't want to do what I want you to do? Okay, okay. Every time we're together, every time you see me, you are going to know I am not happy about this. <laughs> so I'm going to make you feel until you do what I want you to do. I know I'm coming across like I'm pretty experienced at that, all right. <laughs> Shake your head. No, please, honey, please. I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, because if you don't, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, okay, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just this devastating, sick thing that can happen in a family. Then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. This is a side issue. I'm not going to go down this rabbit trail. But when you have a word from the Lord... It doesn't matter what kind of pressures around you. There is something of, of peace and vision in a word from the Lord. That's why you need to have a walk with the Lord independent of Sunday mornings. 
Because when you face things and you know that the Lord has said, hey, the Lord said to me, uh, this, is the, where the, this is where the Lord's plan was for me to be. And when resistance comes, and it will, you go back and go, the Lord says, right there, return to the land of your father and to your kindred, and I'll be with you. That's great. So he makes plans to leave. And um, he f- ends up kind of sneaking away. Verse 20, and Jacob tricked Laban by not telling him that he intended to flee, and he fled with all that he had. You know, why are you running away, Jacob? Well, I'm running away to get away from controlling, manipulative, control freak you. You know, that's why I'm running away. Then notice um, what happens now is the controlling person here starts to become very passive-aggressive. He's just, he, he's, he starts off really, really aggressive, but then when he's confronted with the way he's treating him, he completely changes into this, you know, smarmy, Icky thing. Um, Verse 25, and Laban overtook Jacob. Verse 26, and Laban said to Jacob, what have I done that you tricked me and driven away my daughters like captives of the sword? Now that is an outrageous accusation. You know, yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm taking your daughters prisoner. You know, let's ask them what they think about heading off to start a new life to get away from this dysfunction. Verse 27, why did you flee secretly and trick me and did not tell me? I, I'm sure he was whining just like that. I'm pretty sure of it. Okay. So that I might have sent you away with mirth and songs and tambourines and lyrics. Right. That's what you were going to do. You were going to have a big party. You get all slobbery. And we were going to get all these gifts. That's the feeling we were getting. Um, you know. And, now, and then catch this. And, and why did you permit? why did you not permit me to kiss my sons and my daughters for a while? Now you've done foolishly. It's in my power to do you harm. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on a minute. In the same sentence, you're telling me about the party and the slobbery kisses and doing us harm? This guy's got issues. <laughs> he's got issues. And he's in this, this control. He's in trouble. He's, it just doesn't make sense. But the God of your father, this is Laban continuing to talk about it, but the God of your father spoke to me last night saying, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Now, literally that says from good to bad, and that phrase from good to bad is, 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 a, is a, a colloquialism at the time that meant don't say something to them to, to discourage them or to, to basically you're not supposed to be, um, no opposition, okay? So God is saying to him, leave him alone. Don't manipulate him, don't. But he says this, um, I, you know, I can harm you, How's that doing for your God obedience meter there, Laban? I mean, it's like, is, okay, God, you know, is he, he's not. Is it one moment he's threatening and pressuring them, and then, you know, they basically get to this place. Forget this. We're done with this. We're not dealing with this anymore. And they're ready to bolt, and they've already bolted, and, and Laban catches them. And now he's come up with this problem? There's no problem. What problem? He's got some issues. And Why? Why did Jacob take off? Genesis 31, 31. And Jacob answered and said to Laban, because I was afraid for I thought you would take your daughters from me by force. Now, here are two simple indicators of when something controlling is going on in a relationship. You know, is my partner controlling me? Is my, are my parents controlling me? Is my father Am I controlling other people? Look for these indicators. Number one, fear. When a person is too controlling, they try to get you to do things out of fear. It's always a threat. And you'll see uh, emotional blackmail. 
You know what emotional blackmail is? Emotional blackmail is where a person is standing there with a stick of dynamite in one hand and matches in the other. And um, they're saying, oh, everything's fine. Everything's good. We're just, you know, this is open discussion. We'll just decide what we decide. I got plenty of time to put this fuse out, so let's light it. You know? And, you know, but always under the surface is this implied threat that if you don't do what I want, there is going to be a blow-up here. In fact, if you don't, I will give you a war, you will, people will write about it. Kids do it to their parents. Spouses do it to each other. Parents do it to their children. It's just destructive to a family, emotional. And then there's also physical blackmail. There could be the threat of actual physical violence, you know, and I just want to say, you know, we'll come back to the scripture in a minute, but if you are in fear for your physical safety, come and talk to one of the pastors of the church. You know, if, if you're in the moment and, um, and, and it's immediate, then call the police. That's what I, talk, I want to talk about, physical, physical violence. If that's the case, the Lord gave authority systems outside the family for the times that the authority system inside the family fail you. So if you have time, contact one of the leaders of the church. If you don't have time, call the police. Anyway, controlling people can be so devastating. First one, fear. The second one is guilt. You know, I just feel guilty all the time. I mean, you know, m- my mother hasn't released me. I, I, she lives in Twisp, and every time I call her on the phone, I feel guilty that I don't live there. There's this cloud all the time. I just don't have the freedom to live my own life. I have to live her, this to make her happy. And you know, none of you, none of us are a, a fixture on someone else's mantle. You can have your own life. And the thing is that letting go as a parent, it's a hard thing to do. I mean, it's an art form for a parent to properly raise a child and let them go. There's this analogy about a, a rope. It's like a parent with a child has a certain amount of rope when they start this parenting thing. And different children um, need rope let out and pulled back in at different rates for different reasons. It's, there's no formula that works for all the kids. And, um, you know, you, you have to let it out gradually. You have, to, you have to let them have their own life, but you have to keep them close enough to protect them from actually hurting themselves. Don't always want to stop them from pain because maybe they got to learn that way. You want to keep them from being injured. And um, somehow, though, you have to train them. The role of a parent is to train their children to be able to live without you. That's the role of a parent. <laughs> and, um, you know, I feel sorry for uh, when I see parents with a child who's in junior or high and there's only six inches of rope left. And I feel sorry for parents who have children who are seniors in high school, and mom and dad are still holding all the rope. It's just not right, you know. You know, of course you're not going to go to college in Idaho. If if you went to college in Idaho, we'd only see you once every three months. But dad, I want to go to college. We're, can can we just talk about it? No, we're not going to talk about it because if we talk about it, we risk you doing something I don't want you to do. <laughs> Balance is the key. And this is a topic that, frankly, we just need. Lord, give us grace as parents. Give us wisdom, insight, so that we know not the formula to be a parent, but the way to raise a child. I didn't pick that proverb today. Raise up a child in the way you should go when he's old, he will not depart. Each child has their own way. And as a parent, you've got to figure that out. But by the way, 
My faith causes me to believe that if the Lord put your children into your life, he chose you to raise those kids because you're the right one to raise them. You, are the, you have the wisdom and the insight and the gift and the love. You have it in you to find out the way they should go. And it's an adventure. It's not work. It's a lot of work. <laughs> anyway, balance is the key. And Laban's desire here is to be close to his family. And that's a good thing. Wouldn't you agree? What he wants here is good. He wants his kids around him. I get that. But these tactics of manipulation and buying affection and this heavy-duty pressure, you know, it's, th- those are all controlling things. And he tried to control his family, and he lost everything because of his sin. Okay, so deception, jealousy, and control are all devastating. And then the fourth cause um, for us to talk about today is the cause of family pain is fear. Laban, why are you running away, Jacob? And we read the scripture, verse 31. Jacob answered and said to Laban, because I was afraid for I thought you would take your daughters from me by force. He was afraid. He makes these bad decisions out of fear. So years earlier, I talked about this before, Jacob had taken off from home because um, he had deceived his father and his brother and his mother, his mother Rebecca, told him, and you can read this in Genesis 27. She says, your brother Esau comforts himself making plans to kill you. He feels better about things because he's thinking, I'm going to get even and I'm going to kill him to get even. And she warns him, so Jacob takes off running. Now he's kind of detached away from Laban and all of that stuff going on and now he's headed back home. And that's who he faces. 20 years ago, he fled for his life and now he's headed back towards Esau. He's afraid. He's afraid of his father-in-law and he's afraid of his brother, both of them for good reasons. Okay? So he comes up with this plan, and he sends a servant ahead of him. No, no, you're going to go talk to Esau. <laughs> you go. No, no, you go. So he sends a servant. Okay. 32, verse 4. Thus, here's what you say to my lord Esau, to my brother. Thus says your servant Jacob, I have sojourned with, with Laban and stayed until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male servants, and female servants. I'm rich. I have sent to tell my lord. Notice the humility here. He's being very very politically careful and, and submitted and nice. I, I've been sent to tell my Lord that I may find favor in your sight. So the guy goes, verse 6, and the messenger returns to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau and he's coming to meet you. And there are 400 men coming with him. Doesn't sound very good. Okay, if everybody can get everybody to stomp your feet in unison right now, that's probably f- echoing in Jacob's mind and his heart. He's going, 400? 400 men? My brother, when I last talked to him, he was planning to kill me, and now 400 are. Okay, this is not, that's not good. He's filled with fear. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people who were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two camps, thinking, if Esau comes to the one camp and attacks it, then the camp that is left will escape. I'm going to cut everything in half, and at least then I have the chance of of keeping half of all this stuff. Man, this guy is terrified, and he's come up with a plan to sacrifice half of his family to save himself. That's messed up, but I'm not going down that rabbit trail. He's afraid. Fear is a powerful force in a family. You know, if you fear God... That's good. That's good. You know, if, you, if you're afraid to break God's laws because you know there are consequences, that's good. 
because it keeps us out of trouble, frankly. I mean, I, I, that's, that's the source of sin when we don't fear God. You can read about that in Romans chapter 3. I'm not going there tonight. today. Fear is just this destructive force, and, and it's especially destructive when it's focused in the wrong places. Fear of God is good, but there's a lot of places to put fear. It's not good. Here are some five wrong things to fear in a family. Okay? Number one, fear of man. You know, if, you, if you're afraid, afraid of your father, or afraid of your mother, or afraid of your brother, or your sister, or some family member, that's unhealthy. It's just unhealthy. Proverbs 29 says that the fear of man is a snare. It's hard to overcome, but the scripture, and, and, and Jesus kind of helps us on this topic too. Here's what he says in Matthew 10. Words of Jesus, he's quoted, it's quoted, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. You know, people who don't fear God or the consequences of their choices, but they're afraid of men, Jesus says that's exactly upside down. By the way, this is not a popular message in our culture. God is love, love, love. Don't talk about fearing God or the consequences of coming against God because doesn't, that's, that's what our culture doesn't want. But this is Jesus saying these words. And in fact, if you think, well, no, 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 no. That's, he was in a moment. It's not that, like that. Well, I encourage you to read the Revelation where, you sit, where you'll find that Jesus says that those he loves... He chastens and corrects. He loves his children enough to go, this is going to hurt you if I let you keep going on this pathway. So I'm going to do something to nudge you to a different trajectory. That's what love does. Anyway, Jesus says, Jesus, these are words of Jesus. So fear wrongly placed in man. That's, that's, it, second one is a fear of the future. It's really destructive. Fear of the future, you know. What's going to happen to me? Am I going to be okay? You know, will I find a wife? You know, how am I going to pay for college? What's going to happen, you know, what's going to happen if I go and, you know, what's going to happen with my children and all this stuff in the future? What's, fear of the future can be devastating. Okay, Terry, you know, what can I do about that? Well, we're going to spend more time on this um, next week, but I'm going to tell you right now, with what you have in front of you today, you can trust God with what's in front of you today. Fear of the future just can tear a family apart. Number three would be fear of failure. In fact, you know, some of us maybe fear failure so much. Fear of losing a spouse or our children. We will not take any risks at all. And we love our, we just love our, we love so deeply that we're just, you know, we fear failing. But I want to say to you, that is not the viewpoint that God has about your todays and your tomorrows. There's a wonderful promise and a wonderful description in the book of Jeremiah that says, here's how God thinks about his children. Here's what God is thinking about you and your concerns and your future. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. A future, have a future, you have a future. By the way, that doesn't mean a problem-free future. You know, the Lord never intended for us to be living in a problem-free life. He intended for us to be overcomers. You will face turmoil in life. You will. Verse 12, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. 
His plan for your tomorrows is not for failure. It's not. And we got to rest in that, you know, and God's going to honor his word. He's, he's going to honor your faithfulness and um, he's heard your prayers and he will continue to hear and answer your prayers because he's thinking about your tomorrows. Okay, fear of failure. Another one, fear of being found out. I, I wonder, you know, how much this kind of tortured twisting and churning happens in families because we hide our struggles from the people who are closest to us. You know, I could never let my wife see that I'm just living in this, this defeat, that I, I just feel like such a failure. I could never let her see that. And this fear of being found out just takes that weak area and sticks it into a corner in darkness and hides it. And the very people who love you the most, who would want to help you with it, don't know about it. Okay, fear of failure. Fear of being found out. Number five, fear of being alone. What if I can't keep this family together? What, what, what if she leaves me? What if we can't work this out? What if you know, we cannot get on the same page? Fear. Are you afraid of a train? I'm not afraid of a train. Fear makes loving family members say angry words. Fear wells up and then out comes this angry thing. Has a family member said something angry to you? And it hurt you so much in the moment, you didn't have time to step back and go, wait a second, what's really at work here? Was I just supposed to take that comment literally or is this just the flailing about of a painful family member? Don't, don't take it so personal. Give a moment for the Holy Spirit to get in there and use you to bring something like a salve of healing in the relationship. By the way, I just didn't give you all a pass to spout off at your loved ones. I don't have that kind of authority. Fear, fear just, you know, it makes, makes loving family members say angry words. It makes... It makes it can put family members into this kind of this cold war of isolation. And, and, and one of the worst things that fear can do is it can make family members apathetic. Where we just say, I, I, don't, I just don't care anymore. In fact, it's easier to just stop caring than to face and walk with this pain. So I'm just going to not care anymore. And better than both of failing to care or carrying that pain would be entrusting God because deception brings pain, but, you know, you can tell the truth. And deception or jealousy can bring pain, but you can believe and hope for the best for the people around you. Control brings pain too, but we can learn to let go and to trust God. But fear... Fear, I really believe, is like the great, you know, it's like this great destroyer that's got this extra oomph to it. And it's, I believe, it's, I believe it's the motivator of, of, of most, a lot of at least, but a lot of the pain in families. Fear is what's underneath it. But there's some good news. Good news. I mean, had enough on je- jealousy and control and fear. And, okay. I mean, Family pain can be healed. It really can be healed. It doesn't matter how dark today is. It doesn't, doesn't matter. God's mercies are new every morning. 
I found this scripture, um, remembered the scripture from this song that nobody in this room, a handful of us will know an old song that I'm not singing. Um, <laughs> there's a standard of quality that our worship department has. And it's like, okay, so the scripture in, in, in Lamentations 3 says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. How do I have that memorized? Because somebody taught me that song. Some of you people know. Do you know that song? Yeah. Are you brave enough? No, I don't want to ask anybody. And scripture also tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't matter where you've been. It does not matter, you know, the choices that you made. It doesn't matter the part that you've played. It doesn't matter the things that you would do differently if you could do them over again. Your future is as bright for you as the promises of God if you will take the steps towards God that will allow him to honor you and to bless you. It's not automatic. You have to take those steps. Family pain can be healed. And, um, I'm kind of leaving you hanging. I don't mean to do that, but I just feel like um, that was enough material for us to go for today. Um, it's kind of heavy weight, maybe sometimes. And it's like I said this last time, I wanted to, to, to put this into bite size. Next week, we're going to talk about how to overcome the family pain. Okay? So um, hang on. Show up next weekend, and we'll, get up, we'll pick up from here. Let's pray. Lord, um, if this family was hanging out with us today, I don't know what I'd do to help them. There is so much deception, so much fear, so much jail. It's just every new decision seems to put them into a deeper hole than they were just in. But somewhere in the middle of this, you can be found because this is also the family through which Christ was born. Somewhere in this family, in the middle of all of this messed up mess, there is this seed of light and life which the world never knew was coming. And that is true, not for new salvation or saviors, but that is true that in every family, no matter how messed up we are, there's a place where heaven's fingers can get grip, where you, Lord, can make purchase into and hold on to what might seem to be a rock wall. There's a place for you to hold on and hold us. And Lord, I pray that where our hearts before maybe have grown into a wall, that there would be a place for the tender fingers of God to get in and to get a hold of what needs to be held. And I want to talk to you about the people that are hurting in this room right now that weren't hurting a little while ago until I started pointing out these things, and now there's pain. God, I just ask for mercy to flow in. I ask for life and hope to flow into this place. I pray, Lord, for hopes, for, for, for your hopes, the things that you talk about in Jeremiah 29. 11. I pray for those kinds of things to take, take hold and take, to be seated and to begin to grow. Talked about emotional manipulation and physical threat. Protect us, Lord. I pray, Lord, for people who might find themselves under physical threat and ask, Lord, for you to find a way out for the, the person under threat and for the person who has broken enough in their soul that they would do that. Provide a way. God, there's a way for every one of us. And Lord, for 
parents, I specifically, especially want to ask for wisdom. We just need God, heaven's wisdom. It doesn't stop when our kids turn 18 somehow, even um, when we get much older than, than even having an 18-year-old child, there's a, there's a place for us to speak into the lives of our children and those around us. Give us wisdom. We don't want to do our best ideas. We would like to operate under heaven's wisdom and the anointing of the Spirit. And so, Lord, I want to pray over families, and I I ask God for you to do something for our families in this place. Would you strengthen them? Would you protect them? Would you heal them? Would you make them whole? Would you cause the people of this church to become so healthy that they become influencers of the world around them rather than being blown by the winds of culture? That when they encounter a family who is crumbling apart, there would be something of resolute strength and love and grace that can help find a way for the people around them. Lord, there is a place for us to minister to the world on the outside of these walls, not so much to be cared for ourselves. So for those in this room who need to be in the emergency room, Lord, fill them with life and repair them. But for the rest of us, Lord, give us an assignment tomorrow at work. Give us an assignment tomorrow at school. Give us an assignment tomorrow in the marketplace. Speak to our hearts and, and tell us how we can give life and hope away to people as your, as your ambassadors. That we would be more than just strong families here, that we would seed strong families in, that we have influence with. And I thank you for it in the name of Jesus.